Yo, Marcus. Yo. Do you like movies? Yeah. That's cool. What else you like? Uh, I like the th- going to the gym again. What do you think about calling people Jimothy? Uh, if you're a gym rat and your name's Timothy, then I think that's fair. Yeah. Oh yeah, this is Zebras in America podcast episode one forty five. Um, right. As as we all know, we are still recording, you know, quarantine style. Yes, we uh, are. You know how it is. One yeah. day it'll all change, but for now, this is what's going on, and hopefully, we're not encroaching upon the end of the world, which is. I don't know. Shit's bleak sometimes, Marcus. Uh, I I agree, but and you know for the it's okay to recognize and be in that bleak spot as long as you you know recognize the the opposite as well, more more, more than not. But for those of you that are you know we all have bleak moments. I would imagine especially these days. But don't feel guilty, anyone, about thinking things are bleak from time to time as long as you can get out of it. And, and and you recognize that. Well, I'm going to push back a little. Oh. I think it's like... Whoops. Sorry. Whoa, what was that weird-ass noise? It was, it, was, it was the DDP app on, on, on my phone. Sorry. Yeah, Marcus has been doing a bunch of DDPY, which is Diamond Dallas Page's power yoga. And he's been taking pictures. And we're going hopefully when Marcus gets all brolic and shit... <clears throat> We'll have DDP on the show. Yes. I mean, why not? I'm trying to get back to my old 2000 summer 2015, Marcus. Uh, no. I'm, I'm, I'm close to no. benching over 300 pounds. And no, Marcus. We're going to 2021, Marcus. We don't even oh. know. you 25th. That's then. This is new. We're going past that. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, bro. We're this is. This is the future. I respect that. This is, yeah, yeah, no. This is a new thing. Also, we're about to have that 40s strength. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like Grown man strength. Grown man muscle, you know? Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, I mean, like, so what I was just saying is, like, um, like, going through it and having a hard time, it's okay if at the moment you can't think about the easy times ahead. Like, sometimes... That doesn't exist. Sometimes a depression is just a depression. Sometimes a hard time is just a hard time. You know. That's what I said. That's not exactly what you said. No. Part of what I said is what you said. However, I'm only offering advice. Don't stay in that. I said I said it's completely okay to be in that spot, to recognize it, blah, blah, blah. But, and I guess this is just my opinion. I'm not a licensed in anything. Uh, except I'm a licensed designer. But other than that, you know, try. I didn't say do. Try to, you know, see the opposite as well. And well, try doesn't mean do. I say try to get ready to consider the idea of trying to consider something different. Sure. Oh, we're just, we're we're pulling straws now pretty much. I, I I know it sounds like we're pulling straws, but for the interest of the listeners who might notice <clears throat> what I'm saying, it's important. And I promise you, I'm not trying to argue with you or say nothing negative. I'm just saying that in this instance, I do believe that the semantics are important. Well, then I'll just say then I agree with what you said. And then perhaps I could have said it better because I, I, I agree with what you're saying then. Baby, you're doing great. Ew. There's no ew. I'm. You're one of my best friends, and I'm Jewish, and we've been friends for like, we've been close friends for over three years. I'm gonna call you baby sometimes. It's there's, it's completely fine. Okay. Although I prefer you say more factual. I you know I've known you for like 15 years. Although there was like a large gap where we didn't actually know each, or we like didn't see each other, but from start to finish, it just sounds more dynamic if it's like, yeah, I've known you since 2005. It sounds cooler. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah. Who's talking about semantics now? I'm saying we've been friendly for 15 years. Sure. Yes. We've been making this podcast for over three years. And I'd say around the time that we drove all the way to Poughkeepsie to drive to New Jersey to drive to Poughkeepsie, (laughs) around that time, we became very close friends. And I would consider it's not the same. Very close friends is not the same as like, oh, who's this dude that's, you know, got pork chop, you know, sideburns and wants to talk to me on the train. Yeah. About about uh, the last days of death jokes. Yeah. Damn, that's how far back he goes. Oh, man, we met uh, Mean Gene on that New Jersey Poughkeepsie, New York City, New Jersey Poughkeepsie trip. It's true. We did. Rest in peace to him. <gasps> Speaking of rest in peace, I don't mean to be all over the place, but I, I, at least on my behalf, I feel like you'd agree. I want to dedicate this episode to DJ Spinbad. Rest in peace. He just passed away this morning. Um, so to some, regionally, he's just he's probably one of the greatest radio mix DJs in the world. He's one of the greatest turntablists, you know, in the world. He made these like famous mixtapes where he like did hip hop style mixtapes with like eighties music. Um, for a, for a period, he was on both Hot 97 and Power 105, um, and it just suddenly, you know, at 46, 46, 47, he just passed away. Um, I learned certain scratches and scratch combinations from listening to him, and little, low, low, low-key devastated, so rest in peace, DJ Spinbad. Um, so, I wasn't sure if you were aware of that or not, Scott. I was. Yeah. But I was, I didn't want to steal your shine. No, whatever. It's like, uh, you know, I didn't know him personally, but we had many mutual friends, many mutual like, close friends, actually. I feel like this is going to be like two depressing ass podcasts in a row. <clears throat> no, no, because we're, oh, I just thought about some of the movies we're going to talk about. Yeah, today. dude. Maybe you're right. Maybe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. I do think last week's episode was really good, though. Of course. Sure. But I was I was definitely on one. I was not being polite. We have a piece of mail, though I feel like I I feel like I sort of manipulated our listeners into sending this mail. So by saying we don't get mail anymore. Though yeah. I get literal postcards every month from John Arminio. Same. He's um he's the man. And, he sent yeah, yeah. And now I now we just text and I and like yeah, we just text a lot, so there's that. Um, <clears throat> so Brendan Boozer says, Hey guys, last week you mentioned a lack of write-ins to the show, so fulfilling my periodic duty here to check in. I haven't had too much time to be watching a lot of movies lately, but I did manage to squeeze in some unseen Cassavetes the other day with the killing of a Chinese bookie and husband's. Really loved the moody aura of Chinese Bookie. In a weird way, it reminds me of some aspects of Only God Forgives, at least in the deep red, purple, blue color palettes and pensive tone. I figured Husbands would have been a slam dunk for me, given the cast, but it was just kind of gone over my head. Was hoping you could give me your thoughts on Husbands and maybe enlighten me to something I might be missing. Hoping everyone is doing well mentally, physically, and metaphysically best Brandon Boozer. You know, I can go on forever about husbands. So? Um, a big part... Oh, man, this is great, because it can lead me into something else that, that I want to plug real quick. But So, essentially, husbands is just, in, in my opinion, a big part of it. It is like kind of a long, intentionally messy movie, but I think that's part of it. Like it, It's about guys in their mid-40s, essentially to some degree turning into little boys who were scared because for those of you who haven't seen it the movie is about a group of four friends who lose and they lose one just kind of sud- suddenly so now there's left a- now there's three of the group left they all have wives they all have kids and then to deal to kind of grieve with their the, the death of their friend after the funeral they go out on an all-night bender and then they just want to keep the buzz and keep the good times going to kind of still escape the reality of their friend dying. They decide, hey, let's just go to London. So they just go to London and have like a boys weekend in London. 
But as far as like a deeper thing, I do. I think it's about, it's just like these men, you know, they're supposed to be mature. And then when death comes, you kind of see how scared they are of it and how they kind of respond to it. How like a little child would like, they try to avoid it. They try to avoid responsibility and they kind of become kids. It's similar to like, there's that movie, uh, little children, which I don't think was very good, but I do like the yeah, premise fu- of so, just like, uh, fuck little uh, children. Fuck that yeah, movie. Yeah. I hate that movie. Don't well, watch that movie. No, no, well, that's what I was about to, yeah, it's not, but the premise behind Little Children I like, where it's just, like, these adults who are supposed to be, like, mature, have a job, pay bills, blah, 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 when when certain things, when reality gets too much, they revert to, like, being immature, and they revert to their, like, childish uh, selves, um, right. and I think a great continuation of Husbands, apparently it's out, uh, I, I didn't know this, uh, guest and friend of the show, Leanne, said that this movie is out, but uh, Thomas Vinterberg's latest movie, Another Round, in my opinion, is the perfect continuation of Husbands. It's about another group of guy friends um, who do a lot of the same stuff that happens in Husbands. So I'm glad that this email came through because it gives me an opportunity to plug my favorite movie of, I don't know if it's this year or next year, but um, so yeah, Husbands is just great and it, it is intentionally messy and loud and frustrating like a yeah, lot of and just films. and just take a pause for a second with everything you know that i've been going through and why that movie might be kind of crazy for me right now yeah 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 I, I, yeah I I, I I i don't need to pause okay. although a moment of silence or pause for your friend but uh outside of that i i, I completely get it i get it yeah um I haven't talked about this a lot on the show, but and I'm not going to go into a lot of detail, but in August, my best friend died, and it sucks, and that's that. So movies about people losing friends are kind of hitting me different, as the kids say these days. So I understand like the messiness of it, even though I'm at an age right now where, like, unlike these characters and husbands, I'm not like getting drunk and escaping my life and doing all that sort of stuff. I'm just doing what I need to do and, you know, occasionally having a second beer or, you know, pizza o'clock, you know, as as Marcus knows about. Sometimes I'll go to Marcus's house and if he has brought many pizzas, I just go, it's pizza o'clock and then I just eat seven slices of pizza and then oh. have a very uncomfortable stomach on my way home. And also listen to Brendan Tell Boozer's excellent it. Losing Track uh, podcast that you yeah. can find on podcasts. Yo, I know we do need to like talk about the movies that are on the docket today. Yeah. Yeah. But, did you know, I actually had not seen The Hunt. Oh, really? Damn. Yeah. I think this whole time I just assumed you saw it. Oh. I haven't watched every movie. No, this is not every movie. This is one of the best. But it's it's really fucking good. Yeah, it's, it's I watched it last week because Tubi has everything. Because you had been talking about Vinterberg so much, and and I was like, what do I know of this guy? And I saw this, and it was like, what a brilliant story about how a town can be destroyed. Yeah, well, yeah, but that and other stuff. What do you mean? Well, you're not wrong, you're right, but to me, it's a big... I'm not going to use the word... I'm not going to use... Well, I'm I'm about to, but the term cancel culture, it just kind of delves into sometimes the intricacies of just like... Things aren't what they appear, but even after someone's name is cleared... It doesn't matter, which is highlighted by the very final scene of that movie. Yeah. But, you know, also, you know, I meant to add, you know, damn, because I've been thinking about this just last night. So this is so crazy that you brought this up. The one thing that always holds me back from really, really, truly getting into my thoughts on the hunt. Uh, I haven't really pulled the plug on Pinland Empire, my thoughts. Although go to PinkSmoke.com. John Cribbs wrote an amazing uh, thing on the hunt. But Scott, do you feel that like a movie like The Hunt like so many things could could get in the wrong hands like shitty terrible gross people could use this movie to be like see give us a second chance or like you should hear us out you know because that is part of what that movie is it's about well wait a minute let's not just take the words 
of an unreliable source. The unreliable source in this movie being like a little kid yeah, who's got some stuff going on. Yeah, why don't we just give like a, a quick... Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. I, I'm now assuming that every listener listening right now has seen The Hunt. The Sorry, Hunt guys. is a 2012 film directed by Thomas Vinterberg starring Mads Mikkelsen. Matt, they live in a. It's about a small Danish village. Mads Mikkelsen is a teacher who is much beloved with everyone in the in the area, and he has a an appropriate friendly relationship with the children for whom he's a teacher. One of the children makes a claim that he has done something inappropriate, and it's the sort of movie where the viewer knows what's happening so it's not like a mystery of whether he did this thing or not he mm-hmm. you would agree with that right yeah yeah he didn't like, he didn't he didn't he he's he has not been inappropriate with this child the child then uses that information to get him in trouble and is sort of manipulated into saying things and then you watch his whole life turn to shit and then, uh, spoilers, mm-hmm. uh, then when she recants the testimony, his life still never goes back to zero. Right, and right. it becomes like this very interesting thing that we've been trying to talk about on the show and try to understand how to talk about yeah. these these issues where, yeah, we totally support and believe and understand and believing people who say that they're victims of of sexual misconduct and then there there is a place where there there also are times where people get um accused of things that they didn't do and i think for the most part that's not the case i think for the most part People that are accused of these acts are guilty. I'm not trying to be absolutely. I'm not, I'm not trying to. I'm like I still stand by believe women. I still stand by believe people have experienced things. I also stand by figuring out a way to to investigate. Yep, I, and, I, I agree. Right. So like every week, I think we're gonna not discuss heavy topics and then it just keeps on keeps on going but i think i just think that that movie was so good and it deals with it so wonder so wonderful and you know Um, also and this isn't a spoiler but unlike i'm just gonna throw out a recent more recent movie so say something like doubt where you don't see the act but it's heavily speculated in the hunt they show it, and he immediately pulls away. He's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! What, what, like, like, what, what, what are you doing?" And I think they did that on purpose too. Like, they didn't want to do the whole ambiguous thing. It's like the act that happens that causes the uproar at first is is shown full on, and you see the character played by Mads Mikkelsen. You see his immediate reaction, like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Don't, don't do that!" You know what I'm saying? And then from there, it's like, you know, and. Yeah, at this point, man, I want Thomas Vinterberg and Mads Mikkelsen to just collaborate forever. Because The Hunt and then uh, Another Round, they're, they're, they're two for two in, in my book, batting a thousand. Right. And I just think for like you know, people who lack nuance, who like to tack on something, could see that movie and be like, see, that's the reason why like people be lying, you know, and why like. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was getting. Exactly. No, and that's the problem. That's the problem with these certain pieces. Why you sometimes you just want to shut up and not say something, right? Like, because because you because you don't want to give voice to people who have really simplistic views, like you know people who are annoyed of the fact that men do disgusting things. And are looking for any reason to be like, oh, see, they don't. Yep. Or like, well, actually, or like, not all men. And like, until until we get to a place where, you know, just like shut up with the not all men for a little while. And understand right. that, that not all men, like, that when someone says like men are trash, 
that most people are not saying men are trash. Yeah. Just like just like saying black lives matter does not mean other lives don't matter. Like right. and I'm not comparing the two. I'm just saying like these statements are don't necessarily mean the opposite of what the statement says. Mhm. You know, like yeah. I don't know. It just our inability on to to discuss these complicated issues gets us like talking we text each other like hey do we want to talk about this shit today like do we you know yeah. what i mean and i would rather talk about these difficult topics and then if someone listening's like you're totally off base i think this is like that was whack i am open i'm i'm not here cuz i think i'm correct I'm here because I love movies and I'm interested in social justice and I work in these sort of spheres and I want to talk about these conversations. Mm-hmm. And you know it's a conversation that sometimes I've noticed you've told me a lot about, you know, goes on in, in your spheres and Twitter and your your goings on. What's that? Um, the The sort of habit to make uh make straight black men not always look the best sure um we you've you've sent me articles called why straight black men are the white men of black people yeah and that same writer damon young just a couple weeks ago he just upped the ante and 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 put out a new one what oh i didn't even wow i'm yeah so apparently i mean it was under the guise of of you know, three or four recent famous black celebrities kind of half sort of not exactly endorsing Trump. So the article now is the problem is black men, too many black men want to be white. So that's his latest. uh, That's that's crazy. Same writer. Yeah. Same writer of the article that that you just referenced. So he's he's on a roll. So he needs therapy. Obviously, like in intersections of power, like in there's always going to be and positionality theory shows that people can have the ability to oppress and be oppressed at the same time. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, but that's crazy. And if, what what is he talking about? Like Ice Cube and Lil Wayne and 50 Cent? Yeah. And, yeah. And Kanye. Also, and if, again, correct me if I'm, if I'm mistaken, Lil Wayne and 50 Cent can't even vote, but go ahead. You know? And also, if you're are someone, convi- are they convicted? Are they are there? Have their felonies been overturned? No, I don't oh, believe so. Right. So, and also, if you're someone who was going to be swayed either way by, especially like a Lil Wayne, but any of those guys to vote, then I, I don't, I don't want to be associated with you to begin with. Here's what I'm going to say. Also, like Ice Cube didn't say he was voting for Donald Trump. He didn't. There's a whole thing it, like that that's you're it's right. con- like people put words in his mouth. Ice Cube was saying that there are larger systemic issues that in that require um going across the aisle. Now, I don't know if going across the aisle is is helpful, but I'm also not trying to tell um Ice Cube what he should or shouldn't be doing. But he was totally taken off like what he said and what people said he said are not the same thing. Also like mm-hmm. Lil Wayne just took a picture with with Donald Trump. Yep. Like, come on. And 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 Kanye West is just like a mentally ill person that people exactly are like any of. cue. Don't take any cues from like, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I tried to listen to him on Joe Rogan, and I was just like, this is real. This is someone who needs mental health. Needs needs help. That's it, and shouldn't be running for president. But I, but you know it was just like this weird thing. But um, man, this was such a weird way for me to try to talk about the new Sofia Coppola movie on the rocks. It it no because it relates. You know it it shows that you know we got some good black men out there. Right, because like Sofia Coppola's new film. Which I'll say is like also like, like you know, 
Kanye West is like he's just that like I don't know what do you, what is every like do we just want to censor everybody that says things that we don't like I I personally don't believe in censoring people and and like I don't like deplatforming and like like good luck with everybody getting upset with Joe Rogan he's just he will run a, he will he will Dave Chappelle that shit Oh, he is that. Ah, oh, God, that's what God, that's something I was just thinking of the other day. As someone, yeah, I, you know, I gotta say we've we've disagreed on certain aspects of Joe Rogan, but the one thing that we can both say is like we both listen to the show regular regularly, semi regularly. Unlike a lot of people, you can tell a lot of the people who are on the front lines against Joe. And I'm not trust me, Joe Rogan doesn't need my defense, and I wouldn't defend him. But I, I do not like people who just hate something that clearly don't know enough about it. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, clearly so many anti-Joe Rogan folks are people who just heard from someone who heard from someone who heard from someone who kind of heard a paraphrase about it from someone else, why they don't like it, and that influenced them. As someone who listens, oh, trust me, that, oh, oh, there's plenty that bother me about him, the way he deals with one guest from the next, but at least I know what I'm talking about. Um, right, so. and I don't think he, I think censoring him is a really dangerous thing to do. I think censoring people because we don't like the things we say as long as the things they're saying aren't like potentially dangerous. And even then, like the, the way the reason the way our free speech laws work have been are very careful and they're very important. And if if things go the way they're going and you're going to you're going to want to be able to say stuff. And I'm telling you that if 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 whoever needs to hear this, even if you don't like Joe Rogan, like trying to take get him kicked off Spotify, like mm-hmm. one that's just going to make his platform larger. Because if he pulls a Dave Chappelle and like like runs away from a hundred million dollars, he'll make two hundred million dollars. Uh, so yeah, exactly. I was just thinking. Also, he plays it at least at least. Chappelle has and still does acknowledge his detractors, whereas Joe Rogan is just super quiet about, like, in a, in a way that, and it's pissing more people off. When you're ignored, you get more upset and you get more vicious. And it's like, he's in the news so often, some blurb, something from his show, and the very next episode, which is every 12 hours, it seems like, with him, he just talks about something else. He has his guests on, you know what I'm saying? It's very... Yeah, and like yeah, how he goes about it, and also like a, like a bunch of his friends have been canceled lately, and yes, yeah. and I, I don't know enough about their circumstances to make comments about it, sure. but I believe that they're they're trying. I don't they're trying to cancel him no matter what, but he doesn't talk about his friends. He doesn't talk about this, you know, whatever. On the rocks, new Sofia Coppola movie. Mm-hmm. We were we were lucky enough to to be given a uh, access to see it early. It's um, a nice a nice easy different different style of Sofia Coppola that we haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Rashida Jones plays a a mother and daughter and. A person who's trying to understand her way in her career. She's married to Marlon Wayans, who's, you know, a up and coming businessman. They live in Manhattan. Rashida Jones' father is played by Bill Murray, and her and her father go on a sort of adventure to find out if Marlon Wayans is cheating on her. Yeah. Which I actually, yeah, yes. Um, which is kind of a cool premise. I think that's kind of what sold me. I actually read about it before actually watching it, and it was just kind of like, oh, I kind of like that. And it's like a spiritual sequel to Somewhere. It's like Somewhere, you know, 25 years after Somewhere. Go on. Well, yeah, no, because... Uh, well, there's a couple of layers. So first of all, you know, so- Sofia Coppola... And Roman Coppola as well. Neither Coppola child has has shied away from showing elements of their father in their movies. Um, You know, Francis Ford Coppola, he's famous for his temper. He's famous for being a director. He's just famous for, you know, a lot of things. And they both grew up on movies. They grew up around him. 
You, you know what I'm saying? So, in Somewhere, Somewhere is a film, you know, starring uh, Stephen Dorff. It is my personal favorite, Sofia Coppola. I don't think it's her best movie. It's just my personal favorite. And Somewhere is about this uh, famous, like, imagine Ryan Gosling. It's a movie about, like, a Ryan Gosling-type guy who is taking care of his, like, preteen daughter. You know, uh, I've and, never seen this you know, one. Oh, oh, it, yo, it's gonna blow your. If, if after having seen On the Rocks and you go back and watch somewhere, it's gonna blow your mind. It, it's literally like, imagine, you know, Rashid. It's like an 11, 12 year old Rashida Jones and a twenty five years younger Bill Murray character. Oh, okay. Yeah, it, it's it's exactly so. And so, somewhere, and and I was gonna say, I find it interesting that look, some people. I'm not gonna label her. Definitively, I'm just going to say, in a lot of circles, Sofia Coppola is one of kind of the main faces of like modern feminist cinema, or even if you don't want to use that word, female-centric cinema. But I just find it interesting that her most interesting movies are the ones that kind of focus on men. And that's not to say there aren't important female characters in the movie, but essentially they're about men, they're about what men do. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that she just literally grew up around her dad. And also, growing up around Francis Ford Coppola means, like, you know, you've also grown up around Nicolas Cage, her cousin. Like, you've grown up around uh, James Caan, who's in, who's been in quite a few of Francis Ford Coppola. You've grown up around all these famous men, notoriously right. famous men. And I mm-hmm. think a lot of that has fueled both Somewhere and, and On the Rocks. Oh, man, I can't wait for you to see uh, so, so, Somewhere. It's It's like... You want to know what it is also? It's literally, it's her 35 shots of rum. Not oh. as good, not as good, but still good. It, it, it's, it's her 35 shots of rum. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm basic. Like, my favorite Sofia Coppola movie is The Virgin Suicides, you know? I think that is her best movie, like, speaking for the rest of the world. I, I don't think you're wrong. Um, yeah. But what um, I come back to the most and have watched the most is somewhere. Because also, I just lo- I love the soundtrack by Air. I love the tone. Hell yeah! Just, Hell yeah! Yeah. Um, and like Loki, I kind of like her weird story in New York stories. But you know, oh, right. I just I just think more people should rent New York stories. Um, I think the parallels of Rashida Jones as an actress. Whose daughter of Quincy Jones? Oh, right, duh, right, yeah. Like Sofia Coppola, daughter of Francis Ford Coppola. I think like that transference is like obvious. And, and famous idea, womanizer. We all know that it's not a mystery. Quincy Jones is the famous womanizer, as is Bill Murray's character in 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 this movie. Yeah, and um, yeah, Bill Murray. But the thing about what's interesting is like Bill Murray in this movie is was was probably a bad husband. But is a very good father. Yeah, to, and, to this day. Cares about her so much to this day that he goes on, you know, all uh, night yeah. capers with her to spy on her husband. Yeah, and, and the capers... Spoilers. The capers show that it was a huge misunderstanding and, you know, there is no infidelity and they are trying to figure a way how to get everything back to where they are and you just have this nice low stakes fun film yes and yes no, no more spoilers anymore um and again you just like see like you know a nice a nice uh a nice vision of you know multiracial families that are just that are just stories that don't play on these um, perpetuated ideas that you might get from article headlines on Twitter. Yep. Because, you know, obviously, newsflash, I'm I'm a straight white Jewish dude, but, like, I definitely feel the pain of being your friend when, when you'll text me or, like, show me these articles that are just, like, saying very unkind things about black men. Yeah. You know, I, and yeah. I guess I guess you don't have much to say about that. No, I got plenty. I just I I, I don't want to cut you off. Uh 
But it's yeah, it's nice to see like Sofia Coppola like go low stakes with a New York film out of like the '90s New Yorker playbook. Yeah, yeah. I feel like this could have been a movie I'd see a preview of next to a Parker Posey vehicle on a VHS movie preview. I mean, in all fairness, if this movie was made in the like the late '90s, it probably would have starred Parker Posey. Facts. Yeah, and it's. You know, it's got like a Nancy Myers meets Nora Ephron meets Claudia Vale meets Rainer sort of vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like, just so it just, I feel, just so it's not like, Scott, the white guy in Zebras in America, talked about black man issues for the entirety of the episode. Do you, do you have some comments you like to say? Because I feel like, I feel like I talk too much about this topic. Today. I mean, I already said quite a bit. I mean, especially, I mean, I get, I'm, I, you can look into it for yourself, but yeah, just a couple of weeks ago, that Damon Young fuck, um, put out that article, an, another one just bashing black men. I think he just needs therapy. But, um, it, look, it, it, you know, it's funny. This is and a did topic. I, did I say anything that upset you here? No. Okay. Yeah. Um, this is a conversation that comes up a lot with, you know, like my 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 wife actually. And I think sometimes it's like she's very much like I mean, even I know. Yes, you've already like Scott, you've already said it yourself. There's things, specific things that like only men do and it's very shitty and can always be traced back to like this is just like men male activity. So my wife more than anyone firsthand always gets my frustration of just like See, she sees me react to whether it's on Twitter, reading an article, seeing something on TV that just is about like, oh, black men, you know, like black men ain't shit. And I don't know if this is pushing back on what you said, but it, it generally I agree when it's just like, hey, such and such. We're not talking about this group. You know, we're generalizing. But if it doesn't apply to you, then just ignore it. The, the problem is right now with this wave, the way th- thing, things are going, where it's like black men are trash, black men are the weakest link. I think in some cases I am sensing that there, that that people who are I don't want to say who preaches this the most because I don't want to get this podcast in trouble. I'll just leave it at that. But I do think they they are starting to push towards like all or the majority or such and such or going back to what you were saying too when you were just like there's just in any subgroup any like de- demographic men are the oppressors and i just think this new kind of narrative of like oh black men want as if it's like black men are the only or the most or the number one perpetrators of like misogyny when it's just like this is one of those cases where it's like don't just zone in on black men because that starts to get racist it's kind of like hey just say all men like like in in this situation it's like i don't care if you say all men because i like don't just because where this comes from with me just knowing this country's history knowing the history of forget this country the world this could be a, sl- a slippery slope and it made me think to like certain things about especially living in new york city and having lived in brooklyn for many years and it's just like there are certain things like take the hasidic jewish community there are things that they do and i don't mean this as a criticism i love it actually they don't fuck around when it comes to certain things like when there's some like i'm let, let, let's let's take the covid stuff out of it but when it's just like ordinances or rules or laws they immediately are just like well what do you mean because like their people have been oppressed to like to the point where it's just like they don't want to revisit it again so they don't take any chances and anything that just smells slightly funny they're on it and i actually love that you you know what i'm saying and i'm kind of the same way where it's like we start to zone in on black men and next thing you know it's just like hey you know emmett till you know what i'm saying right Uh, and do rosewood you know what i'm saying like remember like um when everyone had their blackouts on their Instagrams for George Floyd, you know, yeah. and for Elijah McClain and for countless, we could spend the rest of this podcast naming names of young black men who were victims of systemic violence, systemic oppression and police violence. And and it's like, and I'm here to... T- sorry. Oh, sorry. No, 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 go ahead. I... You, sh- I should, please. Oh, I was just saying, like, also, like, we don't need. It already exists. Like, I'm in the position where, and this is almost sad to say. Like, as I say it out loud, it's really sad. But it's like, in certain situations, me, I'm talking about Marcus specifically. 
I get used to being seen sometimes as like the boogeyman and you just act a certain way. So it's kind of like, and this is, this has been for years, for decades before I was born, there's this weird aggression towards black men. So we don't need this idea pushed from people who are supposed to be on our same team slash people who use the blueprint of black people and then try to get their own stuff. Uh, I'll just stop there. Especially because, yes, so the the most at-risk population in America are black trans women. But black men are also at-risk populations. And so remember that when you're making sprawling generalizations about them. Yeah. Because let me tell you something. If I make a sprawling generalization about black men, I guarantee you people are going to have some shit to say about it, right? Yeah, of course. So just be mindful of that. Do yeah. we? I do believe that, that men need to do better and we need to hold each other accountable. But let's be mindful that there are still levels of struggle that many people do, go to. I mean, that's, you know, that's intersectionality, man. Fuck. Yeah, yeah I know. Sorry. Yeah, fuck, exactly. You don't got to tell me. It's very frustrating. So I, trust me, I, 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 I get it. Not as frustrating as Downhill, the movie with Ju- Julia Louis-Dreyfus and Will Ferrell. I didn't even bother because I liked um, Force Majeure. I, I liked I liked the original. I didn't think there needed to be a remake. They um, didn't. This movie somehow, with all the funny people in it, was right, not right. funny. Yeah, Will Ferrell used to be funny. There's a period he, where he just couldn't miss. And what he happened? even could do depressing funny well. What was that, Everything Must Go with Biggie's son? Oh, everything, yeah, everything must go, sure. Yeah, that was great. This was not yeah. great. Uh, well, I guess the Icelandic movie they did was, was kind of cool, but still. Which one? The the movie, the, the Netflix movie with him and Rachel McAdams. It came out this year. God, oh, yeah, that this has been was... the longest year in the world. But honestly, Rachel McAdams is the one that steals the show. If, if, if yeah, that movie honest. was actually fun. Saskia and I mm-hmm. watched it. Yeah. Um, what was it you think Euro... of my bachelor party. Eurovision? Eurovision. Eurovision, yeah. Yeah. Eurovision, if you're like, just want like a fun musical movie that makes no sense, like in the vein of like the Sandler movies of the 90s, but with Will Ferrell, mm-hmm. you won't be disappointed. Yeah. Um, let me think. Yo, I also, have you seen uh, Brendan Cronenberg's Possessor? I have. I actually just watched that recently. You know, nice. it's like a more depressing, sadder upgrade. Yeah, yeah, it's it like is. Cyber espionage, mind fuck. I I hate like bringing up his dad, you know, because like we're talking about Sofia Coppola and we didn't eh, really talk not. about Francis Ford Coppola's filmmaking. Um, we I still talked about him. And also, right. in all fairness, Sofia Coppola intentionally makes movies unlike her dad, whereas Completely. Brendan Cronenberg is in the same lane as, as his dad. I mean, take us first. I mean, a- Antiviral is like a David Cronenberg movie. And this, you know, Possessor isn't exactly, but it's still in that, like, science fiction, kind of body horror sci-fi. It's like he's in, he kind of works no, within like, his dad's lane. It's like lane. the fly meets existence yeah, ex- ex- exactly. Okay, yeah. So it's kind of so, like you can't really blame us for not for 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 bringing up David Cronenberg. I just feel bad because like eh. I wouldn't Sofia Coppola or even um, which which Coppola did Twixt. Oh, that was Francis. No, no. Yeah. Z. Ah. Uh, mm-hmm. There, there is a move. No, not Twixt. Um. There was a movie you had me see, I think, by one. You talking about the... CQ? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That was Roman Coppola. Roman Coppola, CQ yeah. movie was yeah. awesome. Wasn't yeah, that like was a... literally about his dad, just right. under the guise of like French New Wave B movie stuff. But right, Gerard but it... de, Gerard de, de, de Pardieu was was Francis Ford Coppola, and it was awesome. Yeah. And it didn't feel like a, a Francis Ford Coppola movie, you know. 
It was um, no, but it was a family affair because you had Jason sure. Schwartzman. Uh, Sofia Coppola had a cameo in the movie. Yeah, so, but still, yeah, you're right. Even like the the Coppola the Coppola grandkid made made a movie. Oh right, she did with um Val Kilmer and 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 what's oh what is the name of that movie? I saw it. Uh, it's it's something Valley. It's the name of a Northern California. Gia Coppola, I believe. Palo Alto. Palo Alto. There, there we go. Yeah. Um, starring you know James Franco, Emma Roberts, Jack Jack Kilmer, which Val Kilmer's uh, son, mm-hmm. I believe. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And that movie was like another movie. It's like all right, there's just like a bunch of very talented people in the family. Um, you know, and the Schwartzmans and the Coppolas have been entrenched in the development of Wes Anderson, who you definitely feel his influence of Francis Ford Coppola, but also just really has a singular vision, even if the vision doesn't work for me all the time. Um, that's that's Wes Anderson. Um, so, like, I just feel bad because, like, I don't want to shit on, on Brendan Cronenberg because I actually think Possessor was really good. Yeah. Um, but it it's hard to not compare a cyber body horror movie by a Cronenberg and not think about the other Cronenberg. Com- completely agree. And it's yeah, it's about like these cyber assassins who are able to go inside other possess other people's bodies to pull off hits in and it was it was pretty cool. It was. And I like I do like the idea that I mean it's only been two movies, you know, and some short films, but even the look of the movie was a lot more polished. I mean, a- a- antiviral at first glance, this is his first film from like 7 8 years ago, had a polished look, but the deeper you look, you can kind of see like, oh, this movie had no budget. Like like you can tell. Whereas this movie had a little more money behind it, and not that that's the be all end all, but like he makes use of it. You know what I'm saying? Like like it looks and feels more like a professional movie. I know like that that sounds a little patronizing, but I guess I just say all that to say that he is growing as a filmmaker thus thus far. Each project gets better. Yeah, and I just think it's like really hard to. It's very common for children to to get into the art that their parents do. It doesn't matter what it is. We've and, talked about this before. Kids of kids of firefighters become firefighters. Kids of doctors become doctors. Like, so it's I it's mean, difficult, and I respect everyone trying to do it. Sometimes it's more. It sometimes it goes better than others. I agree. I mean, look, I'm not necessarily a big fan of. Everything he's done, but look at a guy like Nick Cassavetes who took so much heat. We've talked o- about o- him over a the lot. years, you know. And well, I just but, I only bring it up because someone brought up a John Cassavetes movie in this podcast, and it's just kind of like even going back to him. It's like his first movie. He tried to be like his dad, and it's like, eh, it doesn't feel right. That's I want to make the I notebook. Disagree. He took. I think the reason why that movie is, is so good, she's so lovely, is because. He took his he took his own spin on it. He took his own spin on his dad's script, and it's his best movie. She's so lovely is Pete Cassavetti's best movie. No, number I, I, one, I, I number yeah. one with a bullet. I guess just backstory. He's it over the over these last thirty years. In so many words, he said, "I don't want to make my dad's movies." Even and, and and let me not dismiss like yeah, she's so lovely is his best movie, but it's like. For so many of just being of, of being a screenwriter and, and a director, he's gotten sick. He has expressed the him being sick of comparing to his dad, and that almost and and it's like it fueled him to make the later movies that he did. Um, which I get, you know what I'm saying? No, I, no I, question, I really get, no question. I, 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 I um, but she's so lovely is his best movie though. Yeah, I mean, there's that scene where the character says one the one of the I'm this is totally out of context, but. One the daughter of one of the main characters who's just getting to know their main character as as their dad says, "Will you be my best friend?" And 
Sean Penn's character goes, no, I can't because we just got to know each other, but I'll be your second best friend. Yeah. And like, oh my God, what a powerful piece of filmmaking. Yeah. It's That was a movie that I got J&R Music World for like $4 on DVD. Oh, nice. Nice. And, um, and then I was like thinking of Jennifer Lynch. Yeah, yeah, that's another one. Um, she's had a, she's had an an an, an interesting trajectory trajectory just far where it's like she's another one similar. She started working with actors of her dad's and then kind of trying to do her own thing and it not really working out. But she still tried to carve her own path. I mean, she tried to get into like Bollywood movies, which is you know I take that as on some degree. I'm sure she wanted to do it, but it's also like kind of the most un-David Lynch thing. I mean, it's hard to... She, with her, it's particularly a little more difficult because her directorial debut starred Sherilyn Finn, who was one of the main poster people characters from Twin Peaks. And it's like, you've already got the last name and now you're using one of your dad's like regular actors. It's kind of like, you're going to get that comparison, you know? But, um... But then she made... Have you seen Surveillance? I haven't. Oh yeah, her um, what's well, Bill Pullman. Okay, <laughs> Bill Pullman, who's the star of Lost Highway, he he's in Surveillance. Yeah. But Surveillance is an interesting. It's not great, but it's still an interesting. It's an interesting movie. I guess I I suggest it's one of those like Sunday afternoon. I don't have anything to do movies to watch. So okay, yeah. Yeah, I just, I can't, I also just can't recommend She's So Lovely Enough. I just, sure. it's so upsetting. It's so beautiful. Yeah, we're, we're going, we're going all the, we're going all, all over the races today, man. Yeah. Um, great, but, John, well, a great everyone performance, but John Travolta, who's only in like the last 25% of the movie or last third of the movie is great. Leaves such a lasting impression, you know? James Gandolfini, um, yeah. Robin Wright, yeah, it's got a cast, and Harry Harry Dean Stanton, oh yeah, rest in peace, rest in peace, yeah, and um, yeah, I know that that wasn't a movie that we're definitely going to talk about today, but mm-hmm. I just I finished watching it before. I just figured yeah. we'd talk about it, so we had we had stuff. To, to talk about um, I'm wondering I know we have at least two more movies we're excited to talk about um, yeah what do, what do you think do we do we want to save that for another day or why not why not because it's not like they're one of them's not exactly new or old and one of them's old so it's like they're not going anywhere we, we can uh, we can build a whole nother uh, episode about those movies so okay i mean let let's we don't have to get off the phone this second but um i would also would like you to take a i sent you a link to see uh interviews with remarkable men Mm -hmm. which i think would help in the in the movies that we're going to be talking about next week we'll be going into some older movies that really you recommended me two movies to watch that I really liked. Alright, so then uh hold on. Interviews. Okay. And um you know do you know you know the director, the the writer Edgar Carrot, he wrote that he wrote the story that made the movie um Risk Cutters? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you ever see the movie based on his stories called $9.99? No. So this this Australian director, Tatia Rosenthal, made this uh, stop-motion animation movie mm-hmm. in the mid-2000s using his stories interconnected. And uh, so Saskia's got really into, into Edgar Carrot for for fun and for stuff and we've been diving deep into his work and found cool. this movie and it just was like 
you know, you know, like it's so hard to pull off a ensemble vignette film. It is where you don't know what's going on. Like, sure. like we also actually like two weeks ago rewatched Fairy Prairie Home Companion. Oh wow! I haven't watched that movie in a long time. Which which is also sort an ensemble piece of vignettes of different things and Altman. Yeah was was pretty good at doing that sort of thing yeah i was just gonna say yeah so imagine a magical realist dark comedy that is in stop motion about this building and all these things that happen and Mm -hmm. um edgar carrot also made the film jellyfish did you did you ever see that movie no it's a 2007 film that came out of Israel, Palestine, um, and I highly recommend it. No, I've never seen this before. Yeah, yeah, give it a shot, and okay. it's on Tubi. Um, as our buddy Spencer says, Tubi's the best. It has everything. Mm. It's like how 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 can you just have all this good stuff? With not too bad amounts of commercials. Sure. The commercials are definitely in weird places. <laughs> Have you watched Tubi at all? No. I mean, I know what it is, obviously, but no, I haven't. Uh, no. Yeah, they'll just show up anywhere, like the commercials. Like, they, there's no rhyme or reason. <laughs> but, you know, I thought that was, that was fun. Mm-hmm. And... I'm trying to think. Is there an, is there anything that you've seen recently that you enjoy? Uh, no, I haven't watched. I think On the Rocks is probably the last new movie uh, I've I've seen. Um, because yeah, uh, before then, I guess now just a lot of the TIFF movie. Oh, I, I saw the New York some. I saw the Steve McQueen, the new Steve McQueen films at the New York Film Festival, like Mangrove and and, and the oh, I forgot the names of the other ones. They they escaped me, but um, no, these days just been watching uh, television. But uh, I'm trying to, you know, we're, we're we're coming down to I think these years end of the year lists are going to be really cool, um, because I think we we've said this before, but this year one benefit of this year was like. Filmmakers that didn't necessarily always get a spotlight got the spotlight this year because of streaming and because of bigger films just kind of holding on until next year. So you see people like like Eliza Hittman and Kelly Reichardt are in like yeah. Oscar talk. You know what I'm which, saying? Which is which I I as much as I love their work so much, mm-hmm. I don't know that they would have been. That's oh without question, but I still like it at the same time. It's kind of very like, happy, you know. Yeah. If 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 Eliza Hitman wins an Oscar, are you kidding me? Yeah, like, that'd be nuts. We're, we'll have to, <laughs> you know, we'll have to we'll have to have her on at some point again if she wants to. Um, How to with John Wilson has started and is doing really well. Yeah, and he says he'll be on after episode four. So that awesome. That could be awesome. Oh, we also got sent Boys State. Yeah. Oh, okay. I guess that was. Oh, yeah. Uh, I I don't mean to dismiss that movie because I I mean I I overall in, in enjoyed it. it I thought it, the, it served its pur- pur- purpose. It upset the shit out of me, but sure. it was very yeah. it was very indicative and metaphorical about politics and in general. But yeah, in so they you take a thousand. 17-year-old boys in Texas and put them together to create like a model government? Yeah. Like mock, yeah, like mock government summer camp. Yeah. That includes like, you know, primaries and runoffs and debates and tactics and and you <clears throat> see like these young children who are really starting to show some of the tactics that you need to be very good in politics. Yeah. If you don't care about morals or ethics. Yeah. And oh, you said you said it sort of reminded you of football camp. 
Yeah, it's. I mean, uh, not everyone uh, who who went who was showcased in Boys State are the prototypical person that go to football camp. Uh, a couple uh, who, in fact, but at the same time, the 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 majority. It's just like. God, man, it's just like such a huge chunk of your summer. You got to go away. You stay in this like abandoned college dorm because football camps are usually in colleges. So you get all these cool facilities and stuff. And I guess you're with your friends, but you're also with a bunch of like rowdy, mostly white guys that you don't know and they get too familiar. And it's just always loud and noisy. You feel like an old person. Like, can everyone just keep it down? It's just this like side of testosterone that like I never wanted to be around and it, it it did it's like you're in this new you know like you're 15 you're going you know like maybe a state away or, or towns away and you're staying overnight and it's just like I don't want to be here like it's just so loud and so rambunctious in the most negative way possible um but you know I will say though about Boy State certain things surprised me like I'm not going to give too many spoilers away but like one of the attendees of the camp who got selected for for a position? It was kind of like, wow, they really voted this kid, the 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 the, the black kid. Yeah, that 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 honestly, I, I watched that movie from start to finish with my wife because a movie like Boy State is very much in 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 my wife's lane. And when they had the mock uh, election and he got selected, we were both like, really? <laughs> this like Texas Christian crowd picked this guy. Wow. Okay. Well, the thing is, there's a lot. <clears throat> I'm not trying to shit on the whole, like, conservative world. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. let me rephrase. I'm not here to shit on every Republican person. There's oh, defi- yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah, definitely yeah. hard. Conservatism is, is very difficult for me. But there are genuine, there is a genuine idea from a lot of Republican and right-leaning people that... Like, they're not racist people, and they just believe that, like, the best person should get the best job, and that true equality means, like, everybody has equal, you know, ability. So, Mm -hmm. I think that's, like, you know what I mean? So, like, this character who is doing the best job got the best job. Now, do do I agree with some of these ideas? Not really, but I... I think it's very dangerous for us to believe that that the entirety of people that don't vote Democrat are racist. Sure, sure. But it's definitely very hard for me to believe that if you voted for Donald Trump in 2020, that you're either okay with racism. Yeah, yeah. It's a harder selling point right now. It is. It is. It is. But I, if we have listeners who voted for Trump, um, and you're you you're not you don't have like a rehearsed, you know, idea of of why, and you want to send us an email, and you're respectful and don't use pre-scripted thoughts I might read it <laughs> I mean I will read it I might not read it on the show but <laughs> if that makes sense is that yeah. crazy? no it's our show we can do what we want yeah I just worry that I'm going into some heavy territory the past couple of weeks sure but you know if the listeners still like it and we're, we are talking about movies. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think? Am I doing an okay job? Of course you are. More than okay. Um, I just want to read a quote okay. to, that Mike Tyson said to Michael Jackson. Life is not about what you acquire. Life is about losing everything. What you're wearing, what you're driving, what you're talking about.
Go up there and just give me a chicken sandwich with some waffle frost.